Warning. I have held the same ideas, essentially, since I was two and a half years old. That's a quote from Ayn Rand. Not everyone is lucky to figure it out so early. <laughs> Wrong. Seriously. Wrong. No, seriously. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Seriously Wrong Podcast. The only podcast it is in your rational self-interest to listen to. Rational selfishness. It's selfish of you to listen to this podcast, and that's good. So we're continuing our discussion on the trilogy of films, the Atlas Shrug trilogy, you know, the official film of the Tea Party movement in the United States, based on the classic novel by the novelist Ayn Rand. And today we're talking about part two, Atlas Shrugged, part two, colon, The Strike, which just having just watched the movie, that title isn't really appropriate for this no there's very little striking that goes on similar amount of striking as the first movie maybe a bit less or i mean like all the same people are still on strike and a couple more go but um, yeah just film wise um a mess like in terms of the arc of a film and like what is compelling what makes you cheer for characters care about what happens to them that kind of stuff was already really lacking in part one but in retrospect Part one was kind of a masterpiece when it came to caring about the characters and what was, what's going on. Actually, just looking at my notes, it is actually the guy from Voyager who says we would Limitless need. energy without fossil fuels. We wouldn't need centralized power. Imagine, Miss Taggart. I do, every day. Oh, I almost forgot too. What's his name is at the beginning, praising Reardon Metal, uh, Sean Hannity. He's like, Henry Reardon is a hero. He's an innovator. He's a job creator. It's better. It's cheaper metal. It's more creative. This is capitalism 101. Oh, and then we see James Taggart, the brother, shopping in a kind of like dollar store thing for ties for some reason. He's looking yeah, at ties. I, I, yeah, I thought of it like Target or something. Yeah, like maybe a it was more like a Target. Store. Yeah, it seemed small. To, I'd see, I got like convenience store vibes, but yeah, it could have been more Target. And this cashier or this woman who works it there is just like, oh my God, you're James Taggart, the railroad man. And then... <laughs> He's like, why, yes, I am. Have you ever rode in a limo before? And then like two scenes later, they're getting married. Because of his toxic socialist ideology, he dates below his class is the only way I can interpret. <laughs> like he dates this lowborn, this filthy lowborn target worker and marries her. And there is a great Russian writer who tried to practice it, Dostoevsky, who did marry a poor uh, stupid little uh, seamstress whom he didn't love at all out of the desire to make her happy you see the end of it was she committed suicide now that is an altruist practice i found this clip and i was like hey marrying someone who's poor this is probably what she was getting at with that weird subplot yes yeah, is a plot and point yeah. <laughs> it's uh, and also while we were listening to this uh, i started googling dostoevsky because I was like, oh, did he marry a poor seamstress? And then she committed suicide because he married her out of pity. And that's like where altruism leads. Is that what happens? I was trying to like find yeah, is that history? <laughs> find a source to read about this. And the best I could find is that there's actually a very strong libertarian case to be made for regulation. Right. Like, for example, a regulatory regime 
that has the ability to take enforcement actions on institutions that don't meet its criteria is beneficial. You could look at the example of something like uh, lead or other toxic things in baby food. It's a good thing if you know that something is dangerous for babies. You want to keep those babies safe. It should be uh, illegal to manufacture food for babies that includes that toxic substance. Yeah, I think a true libertarian would understand that the freedom of babies to not be fed lead or other toxins is greater than the freedom of baby food manufacturers to put lead in the baby food if they so choose. So, you know, there's a balance in theory between the freedom of the manufacturer to poison babies and the freedom of babies to not be poisoned. But I think there's kind of an intuitive right answer there, but there's also a philosophical right answer, which has to do with valuing the freedom of actual human beings, individuals, baby or not, I don't think we should poison adults either, over the freedom of a company or a production facility or or an individual who owns a company uh, to do whatever they want, regardless of the effects on other people. As libertarians, we can't just support freedom in general, all freedom to do all things in all contexts. The freedom to murder anybody you want at any time. Yeah, the freedom to shit so hard that you fly to the sky. Yeah, that one's not even physically possible, as far as I know, current with our current technology. There's always this inherent tension of freedom in general. So we have to be specific about what we mean by freedom. We're talking about, as with, you know, the majority of the libertarian tradition going back hundreds of years, not talking about the uh, Ayn Randian kind of contemporary propertarian libertarianism for a second. It's about expanding the sphere of human agency, empowering people, not putting undue limitations on them, not surveilling them, not unfairly punishing them, limiting them, enslaving them. Not in like some metaphorical, these regulations are slavery way. Like I'm talking about literal slavery. Uh, when they're announcing this, it's like you see, like people are standing up in like Times Square. <laughs> He's like being broadcast on all these like video screens in Times Square and like your regular working class Joes and baseball hats are looking up. (laughs) Yeah, like what's the new law affecting businessmen? I need to. And there's like a a homeless guy who's writing on a sign. (laughs) Here lies my country. 1776. Died yesterday. Died yesterday. R.I.P. And then the screen freezes on that and everything except for the text fades away. Yeah. And there's this like this like chicken scratch message on the screen for like a couple seconds well it seems that although we are rationally in love other rational circumstances now keep us apart kiss me Daphne kiss me god I'll miss that when you're out in the cabin working with your hands wearing flannel I'm not gonna drag this on I guess I'll be leaving oh it's a phone call. Who? Edie, my competent assistant. What is it? Daphne, there's been a horrible mistake. Your idiot brother put this other, even bigger idiot in charge. And he I did, well, you're going to have to take care of it for me. I'm quitting and moving to the rustic mountainside as an individual. They crashed a train into another train, and then they, the train exploded, and there's at least 200 people dead. Oh, my God. They destroyed trains? Two of our trains? One of our trains and one military train full of explosives, and it killed many people. And Did it of, destroy the track? Yeah, some of it, yeah. Oh my god, I this is a disaster. Yeah. A collapse the tunnel? Ugh. Don't let Jim mess anything else up before I get there. I'm on my way. Some people in the government are saying that they feel 
feel bad for the fire and they should let it spread to more children. Uh, I'm getting another call. I'll just change over. Hey, Daphne. Uh... Oh, my mechanic. Great. How's the motor going? Is yeah, it... it's... Uh... Is it up and running yet? I may or may not have solved the problem at hand huh. uh, with the motor, but I won't be collecting. I've decided instead to mysteriously leave. Are there any cryptic hints you could offer me as to why you're leaving? Oh, are there any cryptic hints I can leave? How, how high is the sky? Who is Gee Finkus? And that is all the time we have for this teaser for our podcast series on the Atlas Shrugged film series based on the novel Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. If you want to hear us going over the whole film, talking through all the plot, the characters, what worked, what didn't, how feasible is it to bend reality into some distorted form that proves libertarian ideals true? Are they successful at doing that? If you want to know the answer to that, head over to our Patreon patreon.com slash seriously wrong we'll be putting out this entire series there for our patrons six dollars a month or more thank you so much for listening thank you to everybody who's already donating we will see you again soon with the answer to the burning question i'm sure is on all of your minds who is geet finkus